I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Good. So, yeah, have you been actually watching anything relevant recently or not? No, I have not. I have been watching very little this week. Have you seen anything worth talking about? I did try to watch something last night that I thought maybe I could talk about today, but Mm -hmm. instead I'm going to cover it very briefly because it wasn't very good, Okay, uh, in my opinion. Um, I got wind of a movie about uh, the famous transhumanist FM 2030. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, there was a guest blog article uh, on Sim- Singularity Weblog, which is the uh, the website of Nicola, who does ah, yeah. uh, used to do the Singularity 101 podcast. It has a different name now, I believe, uh, who we've had on our show. Mm-hmm. And um, so th- I read this guest article. It was by the filmmaker, and it sounded sort of interesting. And if people want to check this out, uh, I found it on Amazon Prime, but I'm sure it's elsewhere, maybe too. Um, it was sort of a documentary, but not quite. It was a very strange construction because it had, you know, old footage of FM2030 talking and stuff. And I'd never really seen him talk, so that was interesting. Uh, but then it's also a contemporary fictional story as if uh like as if it's a documentary covering right now uh and fm 2030 is about to be brought out of cryonic freeze uh and and resurrected right because this this is one of the guys who is you know big on living forever if people Ah, don't know who he is right uh he was an academic he was a professor he talked a lot about transhumanist ideas helped really popularize them and the reason he took the name FM2030 because was that 2030 was when he would have turned 100. He didn't make it there because of pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. But uh, in true transhumanist fashion, he is chronically frozen somewhere, I believe. Um, and so the this movie sort of took this fictional tack on it where they were going to explore his ideas by having sort of a fictional fake documentary about we're about to unfreeze him and he's going to be like the first person that they bring out, you know, and it's right. going to be a trial and they don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. Um, not a bad idea, actually. No, it's uh, compelling. I'm smiling as you're telling me this. Um, and the, you know, the filmmaker, I assume it's the actual filmmaker. I have no reason to think it's not, is a character in it. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, because he wants to be covering this and the, uh, cryonics facility is a little cagey about him filming this and so on uh and there's uh you know fm 2030s uh you know old friend is this lady who's kind of has to sign off on it she's the one that's in charge of what happens to his body right um the problem with it is and the reason i can't recommend it is that it's constructed um Sometimes of documentary footage and stuff that's cut together, I think, pretty well. Uh, but it, then it's also constructed of literal scenes, right? Uh-huh. But scenes that are done, uh, they're really amateurish, right? They don't feel like the people in them are actors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're ostensibly documentary footage where someone has put a camera or like literally, again, the filmmaker is literally a character. So he's talking to someone. Mm hmm. But just the actual 
sort of ground floor writing and dialogue and delivery is really gets painful mm. to the point that I stopped watching the movie, unfortunately, mm. which is too bad because I'm really interested in the ideas in it. Um, I mean, other people might have a different experience if you want to check it out, but I would say uh, it's probably more worth your while to just, you know, look up FM 2030 on the internet and or some footage of him and, and learn about him because he's kind of an interesting guy. But uh, I don't, I can't recommend this movie, sadly. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to make movies. <laughs> it takes a lot of different skills. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know, it's the kind of scenes that I've seen before. I mean, you and I went to film school. Yeah. Like, I know what uh, it is to, to shoot and make my own amateurish scenes, um, you know, that are like, again, they're better than... I mean, they, they move the plot forward and everyone does deliver their lines and they're competently edited together, but they're just sort of awkward. Right. <laughs> I don't right. know. How, yeah. You can, so they're like, you can just tell. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be like room bad to be like, oh, this doesn't fit. Especially if some of the footage is real doc, um, then blending that is going to be a, a challenge, right? I mean, you want the fake doc stuff to look as real as the real doc stuff. Or people will notice. Yes. Yeah. No, that, and maybe it's worse for the comparison because, right. you know, I have seen, of course, like, you know, cult movies or, you know, spunky independent movies where, you know, something's weak in the cast or one or some of the actors aren't great. Right. And it for still some works the movie for that's me. popping in my head is Computer Chess, right? Yes. It's like a really that actually good movie popped in mind too. actor. Yeah, actually, I'd like to rewatch that even. I recommend Computer Chess. It has, you're right, it has one bad actor who's very central to the movie, but because the movie itself is very consistent and even his bad acting is very consistently bad in the same way, it all kind of still works as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Like, the movie would be better with a more charming and believable person in that role, but the movie's not ruined by having that person in that role for some reason that I can't put my finger on. Like he's, he's good enough that the rest of the movie like takes it along, but definitely it's like, if you watch this movie, you won't be confused about which person we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm actually Brad. I'm actually glad you brought that movie up. Uh, so I, I, yeah, with that one caveat, I do recommend it. And my pitch for it is always, it's a movie about the singularity set in the past. Right. Right. Yeah. I, it's the it's the best movie to deal with the singularity I feel like that I've seen. <laughs> oh, that's a tall, uh, or that's a strong statement. I mean, I, I guess. Can you think of one that's better? I mean, am I wrong? Uh, oh, I mean, could you say that 2001 is at, at all about a singularity? <sighs> 2001. Because then that would be the best. Is definitely a better movie. I guess I wasn't counting that as about the singularity because uh i mean it's kind of a stretch i don't, I don't that wasn't like in the parlance a yeah, lot yeah, at the yeah. time it, it's it i can see the argument for it kind of is but um it, because it is about the evolution of thinking beings and one of the thinking beings that evolves is a computer uh or and no, that ending it, sequence is like man it's kind of right. It's actually yeah. not. It, it's not the computer that evolves. The computer is killed because he pulls all her, his memory out, and then the man evolves, and then it's man who ends up achieving transhuman star baby, whatever. Right. Right. 
<laughs> I mean, that movie's so poetic. It's a little hard to tell exactly what's going on. But uh, I think what happens in that movie is the if there's a singularity, it's more of like a man, transcendent man kind of thing rather than a uh, rather than a computer um becoming more powerful than a man yeah but, i'll accept that argument that but there seems, is a human yeah. level intelligence as a main character in it which is singularity adjacent for sure um so yeah i wasn't considering that one that definitely is a better movie but uh i was thinking but more I, along the lines of like yeah. transcendence or um uh with you know the johnny depp movie that which i never saw was that's uh a movie that is very plainly and openly about the singularity and is unfortunately not super good uh <laughs> it's 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 not absolutely terrible but it could be a lot better and it's got a couple of really bad you know uh science fiction flaws that <laughs> i yeah i can't remember it well enough now but i remember there were the ending in particular really was just like uh <laughs> but uh you know um yeah. Well, anyway. ex, is Ex Machina about a singularity? At the end there? Are they hinting uh, at that? Yeah, I think Ex Machina is about... Well, it's about an AI going rogue, right? It's an AI... Esca- yeah, it's how esca- escapes the box. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I accept your criticism about- that 2001 is... It's, it's a transhumanist movie, maybe, but not singularitarian. But I think Ex no, Machina... Ex- that's I the implied qualifies. ending. Yes. I think that that qualifies because... Uh, the Alicia Vikander robot is like smarter than a man and then escapes the man's box and ostensibly goes out into the world to take over the world. Um, so yes, I'd say yes. That's a, that's a, is that movie better than computer chess? I don't know. They're, I think they're of similar quality. Obviously Ex Machina is more expensive and looks better. Oh yeah. Ex Machina is a thousand times more polished and I would expect most people to like it better. I don't know if, I'd have to rewatch Computer Chess, though, to actually see how I felt. Yeah, I'm not sure which of those movies I would rank higher than the other without a rewatch, either. I think both of them are good movies, but um, there certainly were some things I didn't like about Ex Machina, and there were some things I didn't like about Computer Chess, mostly involving this one guy and his performance. Um, uh, Computer Chess is like a little bit slower and more... Um, uh unclear what it's about um more of just like a something that's presented to you and you're supposed to figure it out versus Ex it's Machina's artier a bit in more like of a every story. way yeah, yeah yeah in every way except the shooting i mean the shooting is more like lush and um arty i guess if you will meaning meaning holding in, in ex machina but um but computer chess is shot with a gimmick it's shot on a period um video machine that would have been available at that time. So it has the limits of the technology available at the moment, which has its own aesthetic. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it, I think they're both in the same sort of rough uh, tier of quality, let's say. Um, All right. I don't know. I, I'd have to rewatch them to say which one I like better. I don't really know, but uh, yeah, I'd say those two are two of the better. Well, we got a good recommendation. Yeah, we I got, got a good recommendation in of a weird movie I think most people haven't seen, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and if anybody has a recommendation for us of something singularity or simulation focused that we should watch, tweet it at us or send us an email or something. Oh yeah, I love those kinds of suggestions. Um, I did get a book suggestion via Facebook the other day, which I'm going to 
look into, but I haven't read that yet. Um, so, All right, shall we get into Constellation Talk? Yeah, let's talk about the graphic novel we're writing. Um, what did we do last time? We talked about... Well, we sl- left off about the homeworld. Yes, I remember us talking about that. So let's get into that. We were talking about what the default homeworld would be when you first um, get sucked into the uh, the simulation universe. So um, what have you been your thoughts about that over the last week, John? Well, I didn't do my homework per se as I, I didn't spend a lot of brain cycles thinking about it, but mm-hmm. I am looking at it with fresh eyes. And I recall that we were had a leaning already. We, I mean, towards the end of the last episode, we were thinking one size fits all approach. Okay. So there's uh, a comfortable habitat for humans that everybody starts in. Everyone is, everyone's is the same. They're all customizable. Of course. Uh, it's got a, you know, it's a cabin with a nice brook outside. It's not, or something calming. Um, I think I'm still leaning that way. So uh, since it's been a week since we talked about it, I think we should probably just go with that. Um, unless you have objections and then it's a question of, I guess, pinpointing exactly what that looks like and how do we keep it from being specific in the bad ways that act as kind of tells, you know, um, you know, like if it's overly Western or Eastern or some kind of architecture or something, I mean, those might, that, that feels weird. Like, I feel like it has to sort of ride this line of being bland and indistinct, you know, without, resorting to the the blank white you know heaven that uh, we've already seen before and decided we didn't want to do right right yeah and i think for me uh, i did not that much thinking about this over the week either but i did think about it a little bit and i think the one thing that kind of kept coming up in my mind was um where is it derived from right that's sort of what i'm trying to figure out in my mind um you know, if these were super intelligent aliens or computers that were designing this thing and they were designing it um, sort of on an algorithmic basis, uh, what would they be design- uh, deriving it from? And I came up with a couple of different possibilities that sort of militate in different directions. So like one option is it could be derived from a sampling of just the earth as it was at that moment. Right. So then it could be like a little simple but modern house that you wake up in and it could have a couple of basic items in it, like a bed and maybe even like something like a television, if those were very common or something like that, or a clock. Um, Another possibility is it could have been derived from like the special history. I think we mentioned this last week because this was one of the first things that popped into my head. Like, it's kind of fun to me if everybody just wakes up on a prairie that looks a bit like the Serengeti Mm. and it's just kind of the ancestral human environment and it's not really customized at all, but it's like, it's sunny out. There's a nice breeze. There are no scary animals running toward you. I guess there's no animals at all because you haven't created any yet. Um, There are some plants that you would be familiar with and uh, maybe a brook or something like that, you know, things that are known to calm like human species things down uh, might be near you. 
Um, and maybe you don't even have like a tent because it's not raining. Um, and so like you maybe just be sleeping on some really soft, perfect moss, you know, and there's no some soft there's moss, no mosquitoes right. or anything. You exactly. Know, it's all cleaned up a bit. Yeah. So it could be like a cleaned up version of the ancestral like what a you know what a primitive man would think of as paradise you know a kind of garden of eden i like um, that and and what would be cool about that is that would actually be super jarring to lots of humans because it'd be very different from like the city or whatever that they were living in but then it would probably quickly be also kind of nice you'd be like okay well i don't know why i'm here i don't know what's going on that's all terribly weird but but at least i'm not in danger and here's this brook i'm thirsty i can drink this you know like maybe you just sort of like get eased into it that way. And I thought there's that like that fruit was... trees, you know, sure. Again, going with the Eden thing, but so there's like, there's clearly food and water. Uh, like, cause I, yeah, I guess the other thing about being in a house thing. is you're immediately like, well, who's outside the house or who's in the next room. Right. Like, but here you could see everything too. So you'd see like, there's no one coming for you. Right. Uh, yeah, I like that. So there's something about that that I thought was kind of interesting and is just sort of, it doesn't require almost any information on the part of the simulator about the simulated, which I like. It you dodges know? the architecture thing. It yeah. dodges architecture. It dodges the requirement of like scanning human libraries for, for building types or anything like that, um, which just gets granular in terms of its understanding of, you know, the people. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of a cool idea. And then uh, let me think if there was another direction so that it could scan humans or scan, or I guess it could, yeah, the third direction is it's, um, you know, more of an abstract representation of things that then people are more filling in, right? So then the explanation here would be less that like they went into your memories and extracted your childhood home because we already decided we didn't really like that direction, but more that like they give you a sort of, direct access to some sort of like symbolic ideas like bed and door and window and rug. And then you fill them in with your, you know, uh, so when people say, close your eyes and think of a bed, everyone sees like whatever their platonic bed is. In exactly. Their head. Yeah. 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 As if, right. It's like, there's, um, you know, there's a theory of the brain that we're like hallucinating, most of reality most of the time right and we're like sort of sampling with our senses to get um the differences from our predictions you know uh, in and so maybe it like sort of hijacks that process and allows you to just sort of hallucinate a comfortable space but the exact um physicality of it is sort of abstract and just instantiated by your mind rather than like um uh non-abstract and shareable with other beings the way that um you know we're imagining the other worlds are i mean so, i think that's a yeah so that's a that's a harder idea to explain but i thought that was maybe kind of interesting too as like a just a psychological approach to it which is you know in general because this is a simulation uh things don't really need to be rendered until the point of a consciousness experiencing them so um it's possible that things could exist in a sort of more abstract way than is possible in our world. I think it's a cool idea. I think because we're making a graphic novel, I would probably veto it. I think uh -huh. if we were writing a regular novel. Yeah, uh, maybe that makes more sense te textually than visually. Yeah, uh -huh. sort of flesh out this idea of, you know, different people seeing different things and sort of draw out what's cool about that. 
But I think, yeah, since we're just going to show it, it's just going to be an image. I think right. uh, I think the Garden of Eden thing is just clear and nice and uh, and, and good. Uh, so I would, I, I'm pretty sold on that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think I was leaning that way too. I just wanted to generate as many ideas as possible, make sure we had the best thing. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of Garden of Eden slash ancestral plane <laughs> or something, uh, like, you know, we can do some research and figure out what the flora and fauna would have been expected to be at the dawn of man or the first million years of man or something. And we can kind of come up with a, a design for it. Um, I think it would be like, I'm imagining that it would be open on most sides. Mm -hmm. uh, and then maybe you'd have a cliff face or something on one side. Mm -hmm. Cause that to me feels like the most safest. I've got my back to a wall uh so i so i nothing's coming at me from behind and then i can see way off into the distance and see that nothing's coming for me out there right um versus if you're like in a dense jungle i think you know the tendency sure. is to feel like what's out there right yeah so high ground probably um maybe the cliff face or a cave for security behind you and then uh, maybe some trees and water nearby and uh and a a a long view a long viewpoint um you know warm but not too warm the kind of uh you know the feeling of uh security and freedom uh in the natural world is maybe the best way to begin and then you know, I mean, obviously people would react to that in different ways because um, they might have been sleeping or they might have been whatever they were, whatever the last thing they were doing was when they got scanned. Um, so there's gonna, even if it sort of artificially puts you to sleep and like gives you that wake up feeling, you know, um, which I think is like a chemical thing that you could probably just induce in people if you're simulating, um, you're still going to be a bit confused so I guess, I mean, the next thing to talk about is how do we want this? We've been talking, we've been talking around this idea of like a welcome text or a, or an introduction voice or something. Um, and like, what do we want to do with that? And I think this is the place, I don't know, we're, we're, we're being probably being forced to give up the most amount of, uh, ambiguity as, as, as to what the simulation is all about. Right. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if I mean this is something I have been stewing on a little bit and mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm prepared to make like big like actually like write this stuff out yet, but yeah. I think I'm leaning towards some sort of big and obvious message, you know, not unlike the, you know, the welcome in uh in good place or you know the the don't panic on the cover of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy some some sort of like very big maybe it's written on the cliff face you know something that's like you are safe you know something that's just simple and consoling right away or attempting mm -hmm. to be um and then that the part of it that's teaching you about where you are and how to navigate it is a little bit 
more like a dry set of rules, you know, a handbook, uh, like we talked about 10 axioms or, uh, you know, a simple rule book, like not a lot of, like the bare minimum number of amount of text to kind of lay out, how do you get started? And that, um, you know, the exec is also there, so you can, um, of course, start asking the exec questions, and that that's probably how a lot of people flesh things out. So, um, uh, do you have to address the exec in a special way, or like, since you're alone, if if you speak, is that if you ask a question to the air, is that is that then activating the exec for the first time? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, the, it could be one of the, like, first of the 10 axioms is, like, that you have an exec that can help you, right? And then then that causes you to address it, and maybe it's pretty flexible on how you address it, or maybe it just answers the second you speak. You are the Lord my God. Well, that's the thing, is, like, I, you know, we're, you know, we Garden of Eden, 10 axioms. I mean, I there's something biblical about this. We're getting I don't, super biblical up in this business. I don't, I mean, you know, we're not, uh, we are creating a world, so we're not, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I don't see a lot of reason to avoid those, avoid it. You know, like I'm not interested in getting super like intentionally allegorical, you know, here when we're not, and we're not like actually like trying to put any religious messages in here, you know, we're not CS Lewis or something, but I mean, uh, a little bit of resonance there is, you know, if okay. it feels, if it fits. So what if there's a lion and get fine. this? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, I, I agree that like, there is something unavoidable about, you know, we are doing a story about people with the specific godlike power of world creation. Um, and somebody obviously created this universe. So there is going to be some, you know, Genesis resonance here. Um, I think uh, also we want to have religions be a big part of this world. So even though we're not trying to put religious messages in from our earth religions, we, we do want to plant things that the religions will find meaningful. So, you know, any text that is in the welcome text is going to be scrutinized by the, absolutely uh, you know, defaultist scribes. Um, and so, I mean, the biggest thing to talk about when it comes to text is language, right? So, um, I think it's fine to have language be like a meta layer in the simulation such that people can understand each other if we want that. I don't know if that's something we want, but like, you know, one thing that could happen in a simulated world is that you could have like a babblefish, you know, like a... A, tran- a universal translator uh, on all the time. I think that, well, yeah. So we, yeah, definitely, obviously the exec needs to understand and speak all languages. Uh, but you're asking like if a, if a Chinese person and an English person end up in the same world, uh, can they talk to each other right. by default? Right. By default. Right. I mean, I, I think this could be something that might be settable. Uh, but it's possible that like language is just defaulting to off. Basically, uh, everybody speaks in the abstract er language, 
uh, that the computer, you know, can automatically translate between. And uh, it, it does seem likely to me that a computing substrate that's good enough to simulate millions of humans can translate human languages uh, algorithmically. So I like I buy I buy it as a capability. I don't think you need like a simulation quality program to do language translation. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, do we want it? I think it's more just like, do we want to allow different languages and the complexity that that adds to our writing? <laughs> um, or do we prefer a world where, you know, language is like sort of an aesthetic of thought, but it's not, it's doesn't prevent you from speaking to other people. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, shoot. I mean, so if it's not, if there's not default translation, then there would be definitely optional translation. So, I mean, really, it's just a question of defaults, I think. Um, although, I guess you could say if it's literally just everything's auto translated, you could say it's not even a default. Like, everything defaults to being translated, and there's not even another option, right? There's no. Right, right, right. Maybe there's no way to turn off the translation such that uh, English speakers cannot understand Chinese speakers. Like, maybe that's just something that is universally uh, available. Um, I think in this universe. I think the problem, though, is that you know translation is always flawed. Right? It's never right perfect. Well, right, right, right. Because languages aren't just collections of word meaning pairs. They're they're styles of thought. So you would still have different styles of thought. Like you would still find it easier to think of certain ideas in certain languages and other ideas in other languages. So I think if we wanted to maintain more neutrality, then you wouldn't translate things by default. But it still makes sense that there'd be a translation module uh, that you could activate. Uh, because that you know, capability has to be built in. Otherwise this new welcome text is not really possible. Right. Like at the very least, the system needs to be able to translate from its own er language to all of the various human languages for the welcome text and for the exec to work. Yeah. Unless, you know, they, again, unless it was a conscious choice, much like we were saying, like, I mean, we made the, very strong choice, I think, to say that there's probably not any inner world communication. You could say there's just no translation. That feels really strange, though. So I, I think, right. yeah, I think I right. think there's a module, but you have to turn it on. And because a human mind has to say, I'm turning it on now, I think that now that spreads the responsibility for any translation errors uh onto the person who turns on the translation and not just onto the system whereas if we have universal constant always on translation it just feels like the simulators are always going to be coloring every interaction uh you know do you know what i'm saying yeah 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 i mean i can I can envision that the translation engine might be some impersonal algorithmic thing that's just sampling all the words that all the people are saying all the time uh, and somehow, you know, figuring out patterns. But um, 
But even so, it would be colored in some way. It would have some bias, even if that fully was derived from the culture. Um, and I think there'd still be some translation problems in a world that allows different languages because of the different styles of thought that they would arise. Um, but all that's interesting to me. I mean, I think there's, you know, if you were to ask people to all speak the same language, um, then many people would feel that something was being lost. Um, so I think this might be another one of these things that's like very important to people, you know? I mean, I guess this is a sort of religious or philosophical question because we think of, uh, different languages as being a sort of a curse of the world, right? Like the tower of Babel or something. Um, if only we could speak the same language, we would, you know, have an easier time getting along is sort of the, uh, general thought. Right. But, uh, that inherently erases, um, significant, uh, you know, bodies of work, histories of people, etc. So, um, there's also this idea that it's like, it's a tragedy whenever a language goes extinct, Right. Uh, so, um, I don't know, I guess it, it does seem to me like this world should preserve the diversity of language, at least and the ability to hear other people speaking languages you can't understand and the ability to try to learn that language and talk to them in it. If you, if you want to study it, right? Like they should be, I think it should be pretty optional whether you want the translation and so, yeah, I think... Right, I'm, right, right. Like, you should be able to choose to hear the untranslated words if, for example, you want to try to learn a language, you would have to be able to hear the untranslated words. Um, right. And that and that has value uh, because even, even though that type of learning um, works differently, you still you you get all kinds of cultural perspective when you learn another language. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It does seem like... Because I can buy it that this might be just like a precursor technology that would have been developed before scanning uh, was feasible, I would buy that whatever being it is um, that runs this thing can, you know, map languages um, in one way or another. That is, you know, probably not perfect because it probably can't account for every sort of aesthetic of thought that is encoded in a cult, in a culture and its language, but is probably good enough to facilitate basic understanding and learning between people of different languages. Um, and well, also and good is... enough to facilitate the system itself talking to people in ways that the people more or less understand, right? Cause that's the other aspect of this, which is the welcome text and the responses of the exec as the exec is asked to do things. Um, you want that textual output to come back in a way that, you know, I mean, like the error messages or output messages of a computer program, which are put in there by a person f for other people to find, it's like they're, they should give you enough meaningful information that you know either what went right or what went wrong, you know? Well, and something interesting here is that if there's an optional translation module that you can access... yeah. Um, I like the idea that it's very good. It's maybe better than, you know, anything you can get on Google Translate right now. Uh -huh. Um, but it's, I like the idea that it has some 
errors because it's because translation can never be perfect. And I like that idea that again, going back to sort of the religious thing, like this is a world with a God where you can see God's flaws, right? You can point to things like in the translation engine, uh, if you're studying it closely and you know a lot about two languages, say, where it's like, this is just wrong. Uh, right, right. And if you can sort of say like, this is wrong and I have a guess as to why it's wrong, right? Like, because this language treats this concept in this way, this language treats this concept in another way. And they're not really compatible at all. So it's trying to translate this word, but there's no way to do it, you know? Um, and that is, uh, there's lots of examples of that um, So in real human language. So I think that would lead to a certain kind of maybe, you know, le- you know, God scholar <laughs> um, s- sort of questioning the perfectness or uh infallibility of god or something like that um now going back to where we started right which is like how we're actually welcoming people Mm -hmm. um you know i mentioned uh you know tablets or a rule book or something but now i'm actually thinking well because you also and even the welcome text right you already have the problem that some people can't read, right? Even even right. if it's perfectly translated, and uh, we haven't even gotten to the question of 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 scanned infants yet, which I want to get to in a second. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> let's postpone that first. But I, but uh, you know, maybe it should. Maybe the again, if we're looking for clean solutions, it just should be entirely Socratic and verbal, um, voice in your head, right? Uh, you know, the voice in your head says, you know, hello, you are safe, right? You are a mind. This is your home world. Whatever it says, right? Right. right. Like later. the customer service and upload, like, you know, that sort of, that sort of a similar. Yeah. But more, you know, weirdly neutral and less customer service. Right. Well, we're obviously. not, we're not cutting to a customer service room. Yeah. You know, where, but yeah, uh, sure. There could be a simple um, welcome. You are safe. Don't panic. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it's supposed to say. Um, and I think you know how much how like if it's dry, that's that's a choice we're making. You know, like if we ma- if we don't make it funny, you know, then that implies that the simulator doesn't have a sense of humor that would translate to human beings. Um, if we make it funny, like in Hitchhiker's Guide, then that implies that, you know, the entire universe is sort of writerly and humorous. Um, which I I think there's a lot of reasons we don't want to go there. Well, right. Uh, I mean, I think that tips are the main reason I don't want to go there is I think that tips our hand too much into who the simulators are. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably not the tone that we're going for in this thing. It seems like we're going for a you know, more of a gritty realism or something kind of tone. So, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the more abstract it is, the better, like, and just hearing something inside your mind, um, feels very abstract to me. Like what that actually means, um, as far as, you know, no lips are speaking words, um, no audio file is playing back audio, um, no, uh, 
it could be that just like the thoughts are being sort of transmitted directly into your brain and this is how you take them in right and mm. i and i kind of like that i think that that shows the kind of direct access to the consciousness itself that the simulation has right that it can bypass the five senses and just the way your thoughts introduce words into your brain it can just introduce words into your brain um and then those words can be uh like <laughs> if we wanted to be really rigorous about it we could do some little research and figure out you know um a small number of words that are like highly certain to have had an equivalent in many ancient languages or something, you know, like we could figure out like a very small vocabulary, which could be, it's like core. We're quite certain all humans will understand this vocabulary. That's like very close to the human body. You remember that book we talked about a long time ago about the metaphors. Did you read that book? I don't know what you mean. So uh, guess it's not. called like metaphors we live by or something like that. I might have the title wrong. It's like a whole book about how many of the linguistic metaphors in use are um, physical and bodily stuff like um, I'm feeling down or, uh, you know, um, like there's just so many phrases we say and we don't think about that are like, about our physical embodiment. I think we talked about this in the context of the embodiment of, of minds of digital minds. I mean, I don't remember any of this, but, but, uh, but go on. I'm interested. Anyway, I don't know. There's this book. It's a famous book. Um, I have not personally read it. I think I read a review of it or something a while ago. And then I remember discussing with you maybe years ago, uh, <laughs> which, uh, 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 it basically is is sort of um, making this thesis that uh, human language relies on a lot of physical bodily metaphors for many things, um, and that this is a uh, reasonable result of the fact that we are, you know, fundamentally embodied. And I think it's been taken to argue that disembodiment uh, wouldn't work so well for minds. So. One, it's just, I think it's one of the main sort of basic ways that we understand things is in these sort of simple bodily mem metaphors about being above or below, being, uh, having the upper hand or, you know, um, being beaten down, uh, things like this. And all, all of these things can be sort of, you know, thought of in a bodily context, uh, fairly easily. So maybe it, I don't know, maybe it's restricted in its vocabulary in some way that, well, I know certain words are are, you know, very similar across languages. Like, uh, like I know, like I think "mother" is one of them. It's yeah, like a word that has like similar sounds in a lot of languages. Right. For example, uh, so yeah, it could lean heavily on those too. I know there's research into that. We could probably dig up. Right, and I think in in English, like the shorter words are often the, the ones that are more ancient and more commonly used. Um, you know, man, dog son <laughs> you know think, like there are certain words that i think uh like the concept of dog is fairly well agreed upon around the world compared to the concept of you know liberty <laughs> you know what i mean um i think there's less 
disagreement <laughs> about what constitutes dog you know sure well i mean um, if we really go hard in that direction then that i mean that influences what things are called too i mean maybe the ex- i mean i like the term exec but maybe that's not the term right well um, that may be a term that humans use for it but it may not be yeah that it may not be the case that the exec calls itself an exec right um that that seems like the choice that a tech company makes when it wants to brand its digital assistant software you know Let's call it exec. People know what that means, you know, but uh, it seems like if this is a more abstract creator, um, they might be using a more sort of broadly generic human compatible set of words (laughs) that are then, you know, constructed in the Ur language and then translated into all the human languages by the um, by the imperfect but good enough translator. Um. And yeah, I could see that being like kind of, you know, in some ways kind of biblical in the sense that like the language of it might be ancient and simple um, in order to increase the likelihood that it is understood. Yes, I know. I I, I agree with that. I think uh, I think that's the right tone. Um, Uh, And that might lead us to the kind of slightly alien sound that I think we want it to have too. like just in terms of you and I trying to write as if we are a super intelligent uh, computer, maybe we would have an easier time if we're a super intelligent computer that's super limited in what words it can use. (laughs) We're like almost having to force like the XKCD book. That's like uh, the thing explainer, you know, it's like uh, he used only the 1000 most common words in English or something to explain all these complicated things. And it's like, you know, it forces him to, come up with interesting ways to say things that we all know because he can't use, you know, some of these larger words. Sure. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and that would help too with, uh, very young people, right. That, you know, nine year olds that don't have a big vocabulary. Right. Right. Uh, but shall we, shall we talk about the case of babies now? (laughs) Because this is, I mean, this has been tweeted at us a couple of times. I mean, this is something, uh, we need an answer for. Right. So uh, we decided what happens to babies that have been created in the world, which yes. is that like they have power, but since they don't have language, they can't really exercise the power. And then p- parents just have a norm that they sort of hack their babies. Well, for, no, it's more than that. Safeties, we said right? that they're, uh, they are subject to the standard contract of the home world they're born in. Right. And therefore, if they are intentionally birthed in a world that restricts them, Right. Then they can be restricted indefinitely. Uh and, and until such cases the uh parent lets them go. Right. Right. And so that could lead to some children being captured, but um it also leads to children being safe until the parents uh determine them, you know, able to to move around. Uh so many people would just be raised in some safe world and then let out at some point. Um so that's, I think, that works well enough for babies that are inside. And of course, everybody who is of uh, even like prepubescent age, like I think even as long as you're, you know, 10 years old, let's say, um, and you wake up in this world, you could probably pretty quickly realize like, this is the world I'm in. My mom and dad, you know, exist somewhere and they're looking for me and you could find them and 
you know, my, my guess is that that all can kind of work out. We can, we could follow that thought experiment at some point of like, how exactly did that happen for somebody? But I, I have a feeling that that's okay. But I agree that like between zero and 10, and particularly in the first three years of that, um, if they, if that was your physical state at the moment the scan happened, uh, then you're sort of falling into a, uh, a gray area here where if you just wake up alone in a Serengeti with a voice in your head as a, as a one-year-old baby, that's not going to work. That's, you don't, you, you need to have humans around or you're not going to be able to become a human, right? Uh, yeah, that seems like it, you need more than that. You need more help. Uh, or this is a, I mean, I guess it would, yeah, it would make the simulation kind of cruel and indifferent if it was just like, you know what? One size fits all. We're just going to drop these babies in two like, bad babies, uh, in like you know, worlds where they will just cry and, and like not die for years while they grow up. And then they will be like feral babies with no language and no ability or feral humans with no ability to like interact with now other hear, humans. Now hear me out though, right? Yeah. Let's say that we, we play that out. Yeah. Um, you make a slight tweak, uh, to a rule we made earlier, which, which we are suggesting that the default for worlds is to be unlisted. Right. And now we say the default is that they are listed and we already know every world has an address um, and maybe some external facing information like meta tagging, right? Um, we still haven't fleshed out exactly what that is, right? But this is me. Like, so you're a parent, you wake up on the Serengeti, you're like, oh my God, where's my baby? Uh, there's a voice in your head. So you're going to say, oh my God, where's my baby to the voice. Right. And then the, the ba- voice the is voice going to say, it's yeah. your baby's on world seven, eight, seven, five. Would you like to visit it or something? And yes. then you say yes. And then you are transported to that baby's world. Unless, I mean, do, does the baby have to accept you? And can the baby do that in a purely abstract way? Where well, can defaults, right? If defaults are uh, accept all newcomers with some uh, basic contract, um, then you could get in. Now, I guess you, if you then you would want to take the baby out right back to your world, I suppose, or uh, so that gets trickier, right? Um, can you can you pick up the baby and like leave with it? You'd have to be able to, or, but I don't are, know. or is it just the case that you have to go to the baby's home world and stay there until the baby is old enough, and that's just how it goes, and you just don't have control over that world. But it's like a Garden of Eden, so it's fine. Right. Well, and then you run into the problems that we were talking about, where once the baby's verbal, uh, unless you persuade it to give you control over the world it could get up to some trouble right um which you know look maybe this is again one of these cases where we get the best of both worlds right because we get to these forks sometimes and it's like well you know we don't want people to have this power but maybe it gets invented 50 years in our timeline and then we get before and after and this is maybe one of those cases where the sort of weird challenge of a baby with god powers which i think is inherently interesting is maybe applies to all of the first generation babies Mm-hmm. By which I mean the scanned babies, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, zero generation babies. Right, zero generation them. babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then all babies after that, you know, are probably born in home worlds where the parents have very strict control over them. And so... Right. Depending on which ideas we want to explore... So basically just, the first generation of babies, the zero generation of babies, would not have the problem of being captured, but would potentially have the problem of being alone in their own world if their parents fail to go get them for whatever reason. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, sadly, if you had a baby or an orphan that just nobody decided to check in on, right? Uh, but you know what? That's uh, that's, that's interesting real too, life. though, because at some point, maybe I mean, maybe yeah, that's not, that could be a target, especially if we have default listed. Then those worlds are in a listing somewhere, and there could be right. somebody who like makes it their job to go and round oh, up yeah. all the orphans and try to oh, like yeah. socialize them and stuff. And since they have eternity to try to do it, you know, there's an argument that they might succeed. <laughs> like, you know, if this was regular human babies, you might be like, oh, it's too late. That kid's already 16. They're never going to socialize. But in a world where you don't die, um, you could take the next 16 years to try to undo the damage or even the next 60. Um, so yeah, I, I think there might be something to this. It's a little cruel, but it feels not intentionally cruel, just sort of indifferent, which we like, um, which is that, you know, babies are scanned. Uh, everyone maybe defaults to findable, which there would be big ripple effects of that, by the way, like, Oh yeah. Because, oh, yeah. uh, there'll be almost no, we wouldn't uh, have like the leftovers sort of leftover situation, right? Yeah. Like the people who disappear will have a chance to sort of like see at least one other person and say, I'm disappearing before they disappear. So it won't be confusing, you know, where they've gone. Um, or at least enough people will have done that, that you, that'll be the assumption about anyone you can't find is, Oh, they must've taken themselves off the grid. Um, so, that's I actually kind of like that because that that takes us away from something that I was a little worried we might have been close to. Um, but if it defaults to findable, then I think, yeah, most parents would instantly try to find their children. That would be like the one would hope thing so that M they most would, because they, they would not yeah. find this Garden of Eden calming. Right. Like you were saying, they would wake up. They would see that they themselves were safe, but their children were missing and they would immediately be like, where are my children? Which hopefully would then spawn the uh, the exec voice in their head to tell them, you know, these are the locations of your children. Right, and I and I think this is an issue about which the exec is not going to be dumb. Like the exec is not smart enough to just bring your children to you, which would be like truly helpful. Right, but it's smart enough to say that if you say "Where is my baby," it knows what you mean, right? Right, uh, and even if it you knows have multiple like blood babies, relations. it can probably yeah. locate all of them and give you a list, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And it, it probably even knows, like, the name you call them, I think, right? Like, I think that's... Oh, yeah. If you say, where's, uh, you know, little Andrew, it knows. Right. So it'd be like, the ant, you know, the, the being that you call Andrew is at this, you know, look, this, this URL. Uh, you know, it's andrewsplanet.com. So you... Or dot con? Dot constellation? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll see myself out. Um, the... <laughs> This is, yeah, this works for me. I'm, I'm liking this. I, 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 I think, yeah, I think I like the idea of you wake up someplace, it's calm and safe. There's no specific text. So we don't have to get into the idea of like, wait, how did it learn our, our marking symbols and stuff? And, but there is like a sort of just 
you know, voice in your head, God voice or whatever you want to call it, exec, that answers the questions that, you know, that you ask. So you initially are going to ask questions like, where did everybody go? Or where am I? Or what happened? Or where's my baby? You know, something like that. And it answers those questions and it answers them in a sort of um, easy to understand, but inherently vague because it's so limited way. Um, And then that, that leads you to making those first set of decisions that you're going to make, like to, for example, go to another world and find your kids. Um, Well, I think it would answer them uh, very consistently, which is something we could work on, which could sort of, uh, you know, if we don't have sort of a primary religious text that's written, then maybe what that comes from is the fact that there's a lot of canned consistent answers that everybody gets to certain questions oh at yeah least with, at least within a certain language yeah um, and, and people transcribe those uh and share them yeah 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 i love the idea of a religious book being like uh the awakening of andrew or something and it's like andrew woke up you know like we all did in on the serengeti and the first thing he thought was you know where's my baby and the voice answered this and the second, you know what I mean? Like you could, that could almost be the, that could be the Genesis, you know, that could be the, like, um, the religious text is the story of a particular man or woman or, you know, being w- waking up in the, in the simulation. Oh yeah. Well, that could be the founder, right? The, uh, the founder the, the, of the religion of the religion, maybe exactly. was particularly, um, Particularly curious, a particularly good questioner. I mean, a lot of people probably freeze up and are just like, where's my baby? Okay, I got my baby. Good. You know, yeah, <laughs> like and then just... when go a hundred years before they ask another question or something. Right. right. I mean, right. But this was like, I don't know. He is some guy who for some reason was the right, you know, the right guy for the moment, the most inquisitive or the whatever. And he asked the 10 most important questions you know, or so the legend goes. And that's what made him such a master of, you know, life in this new environment. And he started and the to book have followers looks like, or whatever. Uh, Plato's dialogues or something, right? Exactly. It's just him having uh, like a meandering conversation with, with the exec, right? Right. It gets into all the heavy topics, right? But also all the rules of the, of the simulation. Right. And maybe he was like particularly insightful. So he saw from these simple rules, like something bigger, that other people didn't see. And then that's what led him to, you know, create his great world on a hill or whatever, you know, his, his religious paradise world that is, you know, now devoted to his ideals or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that will be, you know, we may want to write that at some point. Uh, yeah, no, actually that's, that's the kind of, uh, that's, that's the, uh, perfect, uh, uh, I forget what you called it. Uh, like, you know, medium within media, uh, right, right. In world uh, media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in world media, like yeah. for our comic book, right. We could have several pages that are just, uh, an excerpt from, from the dialogues, you yeah. know, whatever they're called. The dialogues of Andrew or whatever. Um, that's yeah, good. I like that. I think that's cool. I think that could be a a basis for a religion and then right, we could sort of dive into it and it could we could get some history out through the religious discussions that the people are having um in the present. Uh that's that's feeling pretty good right now. 
No, I like that. I like that. Let's, uh, in fact, let's wrap up soon because I think this is good. I, I, okay. I, I, I do want to raise one related thing, okay. which I don't think will take us too far afield. All right. Throw uh, your which bomb, is, Perry. <laughs> it's, it's not, this is, it's a small bomb. It's a it's light a firecracker. Uh, uh, were animals scanned? It was a question that got asked. And I think I, I ha- actually sort of have an answer for this, but okay. I don't know. I'm curious what your first thought is before I say anything. Um, okay. Let's see. What is my first thought? My first thought is, or I can just go if you, if you're not sure. I mean, my, my very first thought was just now, no, animals are not scanned there. You know, there are animals that are created on the worlds at, you know, but they're like AIs basically. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, that was my very first thought. And I was thinking, you know, if it can emulate minds, it can probably do pretty good AI animals. Um, and then my second thought, as I was thinking that thought, was, uh, well, what about pets? Yes. Where's my Where's my pet? And right? uh, since like, you just got a dog recently, uh, I'm sure you're feeling this. Like, if you woke up on the Serengeti and you said, where's, uh, wait, what did you name the dog? Gumbo. Gumbo. Where's Gumbo? And the exec was like, sorry, animals were not scanned. You can create a new Gumbo out of AI. That might be a pretty disappointing answer. So that's the conflict in my mind right now. What are you thinking? Uh, so uh, that, uh, that's, a, I think, an important way to Where's think about Gumbo? it, right? <laughs> right, because if it's, and uh, you know, it wouldn't be my first question. It might be my 50th or something, but... <laughs> Sorry, Gumbo. <laughs> no offense to Gumbo, but I think my first question would be like, where the hell am I and where are my human loved ones but uh but yes uh eventually i would get down to pet and i would be disappointed and for some people it probably would be their first question i think absolutely um, so uh yes if we don't want to just be cruel in that way i think that was the part of the argument for why we're allowing birth right so that's consistent to right. allow pets um i guess the thought i had was more from the perspective of if i'm an alien or a super intelligence you know how much am i distinguishing between life forms on this planet, really, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, right. Where's the now, line? Right. Now, if I'm a, yeah. if I'm a super, if I was a human at some point, and we don't want to tip our hands, right? Right. Uh, then obviously, I care mostly about humans. But if I'm a truly alien intelligence, you know, there's one species here that's pretty dominant. It's pretty obvious that they're dominating the uh, the ecosystem here. Right. But do I only care about preserving them or would I go ahead and scan everything? And just, you know, it seems to be that what is happening is this, the simulator is putting everybody in these little bubbles. I mean, we just sort of had a breakthrough now where we're saying, okay, even the babies are going into these little world bubbles and they're, you know, we make it pretty easy to rescue them, but they're going into bubbles. Right. Uh, so right. it would because, make sense. Right, the other option, I mean, we, not to relitigate, but the other option there is that if under, there could be some threshold of speech or consciousness, like under three years or something where the baby just wakes up next to the parent, which would have almost the same effect generally. Um, but would, I think, be justifiable uh, on the basis that, like, mammals care for their young, human beings have had a long, 
you know, care period for generations. I don't think you need to know that much about human beings to not separate, say, mothers and children of of baby age, of like suckling age. Yeah, and I, I don't think it would be crazy to have that. Like that of is an option. I, I that wasn't my first instinct, and I'm not arguing for it. But I just want to point out that if we get really twisted up with other things, that is an option. That's not terrible. Well, and that might lead to other weird mistakes, like it always puts you with your birth mother, even if that's you know, even if you have a, an adopted mother, or you know, who, right, who right, right. It could be it could be measured by physical proximity, and there could be mistakes where you're sent to live with your grandmother for eternity because she was babysitting you that weekend or it could uh go the other way like you're saying and it could you know reunite bio kids with their bio parents even though it's because it's chase because it's actually tracing the genes and that's how it's doing the mapping but even though like that kid was adopted or something yeah but but let, right. let's say every every baby uh, gets its own bubble <laughs> right, right, right. No, I like right? that. I'm not. I'm not arguing to relitigate. I just wanted to point out that was an option. Yeah. So then, you know, let's start with the animals that are, you know, like the dolphins and the chimps. You know, the things that are smarter. Uh, the octopi, maybe. Uh, some people say. Right. So I mean, uh, every chimp would logically, you think, get its own bubble too, and maybe it gets a bubble that's, you know, conducive to the natural life of a chimp. Uh, and so chimps I, would do I, pretty good in this human garden of Eden. Actually, we're similar. It might be enough. similar. Yeah, it might be <laughs> the very dolphin similar. Would be screwed. <laughs> well, the, well, the dolphin would be in an ocean, of course. I mean, it'd have to be. Yeah. Uh, or just, or there's just like tons of Serengeti worlds with like dead dolphins. Uh, I mean, I guess they breathe air, but they, they breathe, wouldn't be yeah, able to so move. They wouldn't be suffocating, but it wouldn't have a hard time moving or eating out there. Just be flopping around. Trying to get in yeah. the river. Uh, uh, yeah, so so not that, right? So there's got to be some intelligence about, like, you know, it's it's a zoo kind of thing, right? It's like uh, putting every animal in its own proper habitat. Right. Um, so then what gets weird is, okay, you, you keep gaming this out, and then it's like, well, all these animals' worlds, I guess, are listed. So then I guess you could find your pet. I guess the vast majority of animals, you wouldn't, ever think about right like some random squirrel that is like currently outside my window right now if i got scanned at this moment i mean that would just go into its squirrel bubble and have its own world somewhere on the hard drive of this simulation and no one would ever care and i guess it would be consistent that within the squirrel's little private world it would have enough food to eat um right you know, and, it, and this kind of approaches the sort of david pierce uh, the philosopher David Pierce's ideal of, you know, uh, right. Predator being separated from prey and yeah. Never... Getting rid of cruelty in nature, you know, right. give the, give the tigers simulated, uh, you know, hoofed mammals to hunt. And, you know, instead of like the blood and gore of, of hunting real animals and the suffering that goes with it. Right. Um, so now all these animals that are put on different planets, um, what would their relationship to the exec be? Uh, like, would they be able to, yes. for example, allow their owner to come and rescue them? Or would that be impossible? The owner could just show up on this planet, but there'd be no way to leave with your puppy. So I'd, I'd have to, to visit Gumbo and Dog World. Right. But I could never take Gumbo to my world. It's like you'd still have a pet Gumbo and you could still go to his world because it would default to open. Uh, and you could play fetch with him on his world and stuff like that which would be well-suited to him, perhaps, um, or well-suited to his species' ancestral environment, at least. 
Um, which for dogs can be really screwy because, you know, we've bred dogs so extensively that they're un- they're pretty unique uh, as far as being not that well suited for their ancestral environment. Uh, but maybe this, you know, maybe this system is smart enough to make the ancestral environment, you know, a, more of a dog course or something, something that's uh, uh, not so far back in history since that's the case. But anyway, um, you yeah, in that case, you would be stuck visiting your dog in dog world, but you wouldn't be able to take your dog with you because your dog wouldn't have the mental processing ability or language ability to tell the exec, um, I'd like to go with the human. Now, if the exec just speaks to you in your head sort of directly and it's not even entirely verbal, uh, you know, maybe it, it manifests for humans as verbal. Well, this is the thing, because if you're about to say, well, what if what if the dog's like sort of deep, unverbal desires can be expressed by the exec, but then we're in a situation where babies have God power again. Because, yes, you're right. Because babies... I want milk and then milk rains from the sky. Exactly. Like, I, I'm mad at my mom because she put me down and then all moms everywhere are flattened, you know? It's like, <laughs> like I don't know. The, 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 baby, the baby and the dog are similar in the sense that they're conscious but they're prelingual so they have emotions and they have uh desires but um it, it seems like it would be a very difficult task to express those desires um algorithmically <laughs> yeah so i don't think it would be crazy maybe to say that uh, the exec is only available to creatures with language, which is still leaves some fuzziness because I know there's, you know, a little bit of language amongst chimps and stuff, like arguably. Well, uh, they can be taught language by people, but... The, I don't think they develop it on their They own, don't have right? generative grammar, right? So they don't, like, invent their own languages left to their own devices. Um, uh, and, you know, language is like this weird thing. Um, that like the actual purpose of it is, is questionable, right? Like, uh, you know, whether it's for communication or whether it's really just for thinking, you know, is like sort of a question about the origin of language. Um, since uh, most animals have like communication type sounds and things, right? I mean, yeah. And gestures and like, they do a lot of communicating and human beings do a lot of nonverbal communicating. Um, but the like i think it's the chomsky idea right is that it's uh um i was just talking to our our mutual friend joe about this the other day he he was explaining to me like that the the purpose of the generative grammar is to is for you to think inside your own mind and plan but not really right uh, not right. really to communicate i mean it's used for that too but but there's already a a lot of communication already happening um prior to that well, that seems like the first best option, which is that yeah. uh, I, either either uh, Gumbo is not given an exec, or uh, <laughs> or the Gumbo has an exec that he can't use, right. uh, which which means that Gumbo is trapped in in dog world, and and that's sort of weird, right? Because you know, as far as pets go, right? Uh, you know, at a certain point, I think a lot of people lose touch with their pets, so the pets would eventually go feral if there's lots of food and if the home if the world they're left in most of the time is nice and has everything they need 
Um, right. Or it's an interesting choice for human beings. You can either spend all your time with your pet or have godlike powers over the world, but not both. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 right? weird, but it's the kind of weird uh, equilibrium that makes this idea fun. So I yeah. think, you know, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that is interesting. And there would be people who chose their pets over all other things and who lived long, long periods of time on Pet World just, you know, uh, operating at default. So building things out of wood and, you know, not conjuring anything out of the earth but also not feeling much pain and not dying and just sort of living right now with i a, mean with a dog that you can train do you think they'd go to like elaborate lengths to like you know i'm gonna draw uh a contract on the ground with dirt and i'm going to you know <laughs> encourage the dog to like put its paw print on it uh in hopes that that you know, counts as consent in the system. I mean, I'm not saying any of this could work. I imagine people might try stuff like that. Well, uh, if you could get the dog, I mean, some dogs kind of speak, right? So if you get the dog to say yes or something, then maybe you could... The thing is, though, how are you going to get the dog to ask the exec to, for example, give you control over the world, right? I mean, that might be the simplest thing, right? If we could get the dog to just ask the exec um, to approve my request to be an, a co-admin of dog world. And then all the dog has to do is somehow say yes, you know, bark one time for yes or something like that. If it can somehow trick the exec into accepting that response, then you could take control of your dog's world. And then it's just the world that you share with your dog and you're the actual person in control and your dog hangs with you um i don't know i mean sure i like the just sort of com simplicity of every animal uh let's say above a certain complexity level maybe not every mosquito but every mammal at least or maybe even every vertebrate um is scanned uh and they just mostly live on their own little like weird far-flung paradises that no one ever experiences um but those few animals that have strong connections to human beings uh ha there's some way for people to contact them uh i think you know that could work um i also think that i would not i would not find it like overly cruel or overly weird if everyone wakes up without their pets and when they say you know where's gumbo bring me gumbo something that looks and more or less acts like gumbo appears but if they say is this really gumbo the exec admits it's not you know like uh i guess mm. you know like Here's the way I'm thinking about it. If it's an abstract simulator who's interested in consciousness, they might just skip all the things that are not meeting their threshold for consciousness. And, you know, we can decide where we want that to be. Maybe it includes chimps or something, but, um, or maybe it, you know, doesn't include people who are uh, comatose, you know? I mean, like it could cut in a strange place. It doesn't have to cut exactly on human spatial lines. Um, 
but I don't know. I I kind of feel like there might be some people who are missing their pets or who have AI recreated their pets or are paying an actor to puppeteer their pets or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. Some of the interest of that is interesting to me, too. Um, well, here's another option, too, right? Mm-hmm. It only... Um it scans everything, mm-hmm. but it only uh, gives worlds and runs things above a certain threshold. But if you say, give me my pet, it, could it loads it. the pet file from off the disk and then actually does load what everything that is meaningfully could be construed as your dog uh, into your own world. And it's just a perfect emulation. Um and it's in like an instance, and maybe you could maybe you could load two of them, which would be weird. So you could clone uh, your dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me too. Obviously, I can see that that seems to show a little bit more understanding of humanity than maybe we initially want. But I like your your point that it could just be a, a hard threshold. You know, it could just be like there's some threshold that is measurable from the outside of brain activity or neocortex size or something like that that it just doesn't instantiate things if they're not over that unless they are asked for by a world ruler yeah okay well let's think on that last little point then and let's uh let's call it there that's a good place to end it um i'm not sure which of those i like the best but i'm leaning toward that last one i guess for the moment um so we'll check back on that one with the threshold the scans everything threshold for instantiation gotcha okay interesting okay that's the one that right i mean that's also just the last thing we said (laughs) but for right now that's the one that i think my brain is leaning toward i will try to think on it this week and uh we can talk again soon all right well thank you for listening to constellation and we'll see you next time this has been constellation making the graphic novel Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.